You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And this week's guest is Charlotte Ekelund at Timico. Uh, so we had actually during the pandemic, TechCrunch picked us up and then all of a sudden we had 85,000 users on a waiting list. Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Nordic podcast. We had our big event SaaSiest. I hope you got the opportunity to participate. And I must say it was uh, over my expectations. You know, during the event, we had 46 speakers, more than 500 attendees, everything live and two really intense days. And a big shout out also to Marcus Landström at Ambivert that came down from Stockholm uh, to live at my place for a few days and helped us out in the studio. And uh, yeah, and we made it. We made it. We made it. You know, there was a lot of fun. We 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 did have our share of bloopers, but I <laughs> I think that 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 adds to to the to the experience. Not that bad. So I, I think the worst blooper uh, voted by the audience was when I forgot to turn off my mic while you introduced the the next session. But fortunately, I didn't say anything bad. So. Uh, I didn't go to the toilet or anything. Yeah, exactly. It, it was all good. It was all good. But anyway, so we're, we're back here in the, in the normal swing again, and we have a really good episode uh, for you guys here today with an amazing speaker that's been all over the news lately. Absolutely. Sometime you just have the right timing. And when it comes to the next guest, you can really say that they have a product and offering that targets challenges that a lot of companies have nowadays. Working remote, working hybrid, and working digital. So let us present for you Charlotte Ekelund at Timico. So we started the podcast in midst of Corona, and um, well, now we can meet in person again, and who knows, maybe we're going to record the podcast live in person sometime in the future. But not today. Today we do it remote, and we're going to talk about in-person and remote and hybrid and a lot of things going forward. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Charlotte? Of course, and thank you so much for having me, first of all. Uh, so my name is Charlotte. I am Swedish, grew up in Germany. Uh, I have two business masters, and I'm definitely not one of the technically savvy people that you usually have on the podcast who've done their entire lives as software engineers and uh, machine learning experts. That would be my dear co-founder, Oleg, who has that uh, capacity. I'm the person who spent, um, I guess, seven, eight years in the fast-moving consumer goods and beverage industry. So Coca-Cola, Diageo, uh, working with strategy leadership teams, implementing change and, and marketing strategies and sales strategies across uh, the organization. And then I had a, a mild life crisis uh, where I discussed, discussed with myself and sort of decided that I wanted to help people become happier at work. And the way I did that back then was I became a recruitment consultant and I spent two years listening to people what they liked and disliked about their jobs. And after those uh, almost years, I joined a program called the Antler Program, which is um, a VC-led startup incubator, you could say. And that's when I met Oleg, and we decided that also teams that don't deserve, that don't uh, sit together physically, deserve to have an office. 
and this was prior to the pandemic. So now I'm co-founder and CEO of Teamico, and um, I find myself uh, being in the world of tech entrepreneurs. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. So it all started with the idea and, and the notion of making people more happy at work. That's really cool. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit more about Teamico. What do you guys do? What problems do you solve for your customers? So the the very short version is think of it like The Sims, but for colleagues. Okay. <laughs> the somewhat longer version. <laughs> you got our attention. Go ahead. <laughs> the somewhat longer version is, you know, in teams that aren't physically co-located, you struggle your way through um, usually, let's say, Slack on the one hand and the scheduled video meetings on the other hand. But there's something in between that's missing, and that's the ad hoc conversations. And that can be both the professional nature sort of like, hey, quick question, where did you save that document? Or can you take a quick look at this? But it can also be the the private chats, the how was your Tinder date this weekend or that kind of stuff, which um, is very important for the team culture and the glue in the team, but uh, much harder for teams that aren't co-located to create. So we bring back that arena where you can see at all times in which, which virtual room your avatar is, who's talking to whom, you can jump in and out of rooms, and you can simply just interact as if you were with each other, uh, no matter where you work from. Right, that's really cool. And who would you say is your ideal customer? Obviously, I get it that, you know, people with remote teams, but is there a particular industry or type of business, that uh, size? So I'd say currently our sweet spot is at the sort of like, infliction point when a start a tech startup starts to grow and starts to become more of a scale-up so like 20 to 50 people tech industry um, chances are they started off their um, team somewhat remote first in their way of operating due to the developers being spread out and then they start growing and see the need of keeping that culture together. So we see a lot of customers actually around the world and um, it's a fairly homogeneous group. Like the tech scale-ups in South America aren't very different from the ones in Switzerland or in, in the Nordics or uh, even in Asia. And that's the, that's the sweet spot at the moment. But we also see and we've tried with other groups as well, but these are the ones that like immediately fall in love with the concept that's cool so just out of curiosity uh who's actually paying for this who who is the individual buyer in these organizations in that sense it's a interesting product because you pay with a corporate credit card and usually that would be the ceo or maybe coo or cfo who's sort of the initiator uh, and in our case the office admin who a lot of times just checks in with the leadership team first and goes like hey what do you guys think um, and it's only when the team has grown to be more than 25 people that you actually need to pay. So it's a freemium product, which means that sometimes we see entire dev teams using it uh, or we see the designer marketing teams using it. And then only when it starts growing, it kind of lands on the table of the, of the leadership team with the corporate credit card. Interesting. But let's dive into the numbers then. So you're a quite young company, but could you tell us a little bit about the size of the operation? For instance, what is your ARR for the moment? Yeah. So we just started opening up for the paid version like three months ago. Okay. Uh, so we don't have a lot of revenue. We have some revenue. Uh, so uh, I would 
you know, it's it's really hard to tell at the moment. Mm. Um, we could multiply that monthly revenue, but I don't think it would be fair because we have some ambitious growth targets. So I'd rather say like, you know, within uh, by 2023, we're we're projecting like 7 million US dollars ARR, but obviously that's that's far away. We don't know yet. So, uh, and if we look at the number of customers and employees for the moment? Yeah, so we're a team of 20 people starting uh, next week, the number 20. Um, we have customers across the globe in 107 countries, but obviously it fluctuates a little bit depending on, do you look at the daily active, uh, monthly active, Weekly active, do you look at, you know, do you count all the ones that have churned? Mm. Uh, but to date this month, uh, we had 688 customers live when I last checked. Okay. And by customers, that's one that can be an organization or, or a team. So are you focusing on any particular markets? Um, no, we are A-B testing and trialing with our first paid marketing efforts to see where the stickiness is higher and um, to learn a little bit whether there is a geographic um, stickiness effect. But given the nature of our teams that use us being remote first, they oftentimes are spread out across two or three countries. And uh, it's more the, since our website so far is just in English, I'd say it's more the English proficiency level that will determine the conversion. Um, but so far, it's been quite natural for us since we, we have just, we just started investing our first hun few hundred euros in marketing last month. And we, before then, were in, I think, 92 countries, and that was organic growth. But that was through us being, you know, a Nordic startup. It's kind of organically spread in Europe. So we've been stronger in Europe than in uh, North America. But then all of a sudden we saw last fall, like all these customers in South America and we're like, oh, where did they come from? <laughs> and it took us some Googling to to figure out that um, there was someone who had featured us in Spanish uh, on YouTube who had found the product and loved it. So Yeah, you have gotten qu quite a lot of press or attention in different channels, right? And I guess that has helped you a lot uh uh, getting prospects and customers. Yeah, and then there was this little pandemic too that kind of hit. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, not gonna lie, like we were we were four months old as a company, and we were live with five MVP test customers. When overnight we had just closed our first angel investment round of two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then all of a sudden, like kaboom, and we're like, uh oh, and we were. It, like two founder company. <laughs> mm. uh, so we had actually during the pandemic, TechCrunch picked us up and then all of a sudden we had 85,000 users on a waiting list. So what we could do was like literally pick like, okay, this week we're going to test with marketing agencies. This week we're going to test with the uh, University of Tokyo. Next week we're going to test with um, IT firms to sort of like find our audience in a structured way. It's a nice problem to have. <laughs> yeah, but it's also frustrating because the, you know, the people you let on, not all of them stick around because the product is so immature. So there's this like expectations on the product are at 100 and then you have a product that's like 51 and you're like, you just want it to go faster. But me not being the technical co-founder, I have learned that apparently it takes time to build good software. So, <laughs> so you mentioned some initial angel investment, but otherwise, uh, how much funds have you raised so far? You did you did around quite recently, right? Yes, we did around 
spring 2021, a new lead investor is the German amazing company called 42 Cap, SaaS um, Heroes. Actually really happy with them. Uh, we also had from before Luminar Ventures in uh, Sweden. They came in super early and have also been really great. And then Antler on the VC side. But then we have a long list of really cool, if I may say so myself, angels um, that are super, super valuable because they, they want to be engaged and they're excited. Uh, and we sort of thought of our angels like a football playing field. Like, what do we need? Okay, we need a psychologist because it's a very behavioral tool. And we need someone who's been launching tech products okay three product people and then we want a cfo okay great and then yeah that's how we went about that that's really cool and i'm laughing a little bit here <laughs> because I, I i wait for the day when we have somebody in our episode when it's like yeah i have these investors they're okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're like yeah it's like their money's good but like other than that they're like <laughs> all right but uh, how much of the company do you own then uh, so the we're two founders, and together with our employees, we're still majority owners. That's a good spot to be in. That's excellent, and uh, I'm, I'm really happy again to have you here. And like we've been so happy to see um, all the uh, the airtime you guys have received from, from media and so on. So this is going to be really exciting. Uh, speaking about exciting, today we're actually talking about remote first or the hybrid workspace and what that means for all of us. And obviously, you, you build a, an entire company around the, this. I don't want to call it a, a trend because clearly, at least you believe it's here to stay. Um, and I just wanted to ask you, like, there's this buzz and everybody's talking about hybrid or remote. Like, is this for everybody in the SaaS space? Should we all do this? Should we all just, you know, turn on the switch now? And if we haven't already, prepare our organization to be hybrid or even remote first down the road? Personally, I think yes, but that is not driven by SaaS or tech or the pandemic. This is driven by my two years as a recruitment consultant, where let's take, let's take two typical personas. You have on the one hand, on the left-hand side, a super extrovert pe person like me who loves the physical office. Like I love coming in in the morning, grabbing coffee, high-fiving, getting the latest gossip. And then on the other end of that scale, you have a person who might be much less office loving and, you know, really can't focus with people around. But also that person might someone once in a while want to come in and just be close to people. Then you take that personality that's super extrovert like me. And when I graduated from uh, my studies, the my workplace, I worked with Captain Morgan and stuff. We had after works all the time. It was so much fun. I can imagine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But then you reach a point in your life where maybe, and although I'm not there, but you know, if you're like 38, you have two young kids, you want to pick them up from preschool, you don't want to commute every day, and all of a sudden you have to decide like what kind of work life do I want to have versus what kind of life do I want to have. So although your personality might love offices, you will not sacrifice that for the sake of your family. So what you will want is some sort of mix and the flexibility and combination. And this is what I've seen when I've been recruiting. So when I ask people, why do you want to switch jobs? It's very correlating to the face of their life. It's correlating to their personality type and it's correlating to the type of work. And during the pandemic, they did a study, um, they've done tons of studies and obviously we monitor the space, but they actually asked like the six um, 
I think it was SVT in Sweden who asked the, the, the six like most senior industrial company leaders, the CEOs, like, what about the office when the pandemic is over? And they were like, oh, we're definitely going back. Like the serendipity just doesn't happen. You can't keep together a team, the leadership, like no one knows how to do these things. Um, but what if then as an employee, you know, you can either be a finance manager in a company where people force you to come in every day, or you can be a finance manager with a work from anywhere policy where you can choose yourself. So all of a sudden this trend becomes sort of like empowering the people to decide and that is the reason why I think that, especially the tech companies, they are the ones who are the earliest adopters in, in this field anyway. There's plenty of tech companies who've been working this way already for years, already before the pandemic. But I think that it's dangerous to assume, unless you're only hiring people who are all in that phase of life where you don't need flexibility and they're all like super extrovert and office lovers, and they all happen to live in the same city forever and not want to move to the countryside, then I think it's dangerous. Then I think at least, you know, but if you're that company, or obviously it's also not for all jobs, you can't as a nurse work from home, that doesn't, that doesn't work. But I, I, I know, personally, I would love to hug my colleagues every day. I'm really that person. And I love offices. But it's not realistic. Talent is everywhere. And we as a company wouldn't be where we are if we had only recruited in, in Stockholm. Right. Yeah. Which I think ma makes a lot of sense. And, and um, like you're saying, and I see it obviously as well, even in, in my organization, that most of the hires we're hiring now are not anywhere near the headquarter. Um, and we're looking for the best people and not necessarily care too much about where they live. So it, definitely. Uh, one of the things that we've bumped into a little bit and some of the things that I've played around with is you know, uh, I work for a, for a Danish company at this very moment, and hiring somebody in Denmark is not too big, an, too big of an issue, even in the Nordics. But having full-time employees in other countries has turned out to be a little bit more tricky legally when you don't have an entity and so on. Can you just, you know, take a minute to speak about that from your experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the thing is, like, you have... Three choices, really. Um, as I mean, first of all, it depends on where you register as a firm. There are some countries in Europe where um, it's more friendly to, to sort of um, actually hire people abroad, depending on where your uh, legal entity is. In our case, we're a legal entity in Sweden, which means if you want to take in someone on consultant basis from abroad, and especially if that person, you know, is not like a full-time person that that is technically not a problem but if you want to hire the person then you either need to open up like you say a legal entity abroad or you, there are these like third parties that you can collaborate with so this space is obviously also boomed during the pandemic the whole remote hr tech and insure like everything benefits insurance legal um and so on so that's in short the ways you can do it in a legal way SAS Nordic is growing, and now we're launching a unique peer-to-peer -peer community on Slack. My name is Nina, I'm the SAS Nordic Community Manager, and I would like to invite you to join this exciting forum. This will be the place to network, collaborate, and share knowledge with other SAS professionals in the Nordics. The SAS Nordic community is free and open to everyone working in Nordic SAS companies. Come join us at sasnordic.com. We can't wait to have you on board. And on another note, I mean, when you when you hire people abroad and so on. So how to 
go about onboarding, for instance, and uh, you know setting the the culture that you want to have in the company? Yes, it's a broad question, but um, what what have you seen in this area? I can tell you. I can tell you a concrete example. Uh, our new customer support manager. He joined us last Monday from Netflix, uh, and uh, he's in Poland. And we made him a room, and it was also the same guy as a guy in Sweden started, who lives out on the countryside, far away. Haven't met the Swedish guy in person either. And we made like a new guy's room, so everyone pops by in the office to like have this like initial chat and introduce themselves and and so on. And then obviously you need to put in time just like in any other onboarding. Uh, you need to spend time with your new hires. You need to onboard them on processes. I think the one thing that I've learned going remote first is you need to over communicate so much all the time and you need to repeat and you need to put things down in presentation format all the time. So we have found out sort of like you know, working our way there. Of course, we read all the Bibles from GitLab and how to run a remote first company. And we interviewed over 50 companies who'd done that and learned from their mistakes and all of that, because that's our target audience. So we, we had to understand how they actually work. But I think we're getting there, but an important part to understand that this is how things are being done around here. You can really help that or what do you say that support that by having a code of collaboration, for instance, which a lot of um, hybrid teams have like, okay, we use email for this. We use Slack for this. Uh, everyone is expected to be in the online office every day. When you start working, you can work from wherever you want, whatever times you want, but when you're working, you're online, like just having those hygiene factors uh, are quite important. Okay. You, you mentioned that you interviewed a lot of companies and, and read up on this. So what was the biggest mistakes other companies, uh, did in this area? I think, Think that's a good question. First of all, unclear communication, exactly what we touched upon now. So what, what are the rules? Like if you bring in one person who comes like me from the, from the outlook and the, you know, that world, that person might sit and write emails all day, but then the rest of the team is like, wait, dude, like wh why are you in this parallel universe? Like we're using Slack. So you need to be sort of like calling the shots a little bit and say, this is what we use, but not just in terms of tools, but also structures. Like you need to make the, the G drive visible and you need to um, sort of um, make that culture that always having everything digital first, not having a lot of like paper sheets laying around uh, and so on. And then you need to embed the, the routines. So you, you need to have that chief fun officer every month and do something fun. Uh, you can have the Monday kickoffs, the all hands meetings, the daily standups and all of that. That is sort of a part of your culture and then when it comes to the really nitty-gritty stuff you know that's when in our case we use the office stories we have our friday traditions we have one word a week traditions but we also spend time on sending physical timico sweaters to everyone you need to you need to go the extra mile a little bit but it's not impossible yeah one thing that i have thought about when it comes to remote work and now when we sit in a lot of these teams and zooms meeting is that you know a lot of people they have really bad lighting bad cameras and everything you know when they go to work they are properly dressed and you know try to think of their appearance but uh, you know at home they they sit and you can't even see them because they have a light uh, <laughs> you know in their from the long wrong way if it would be a situation at the office and you couldn't really see the person that is in front of you, 
you can bet that the manager would do something about it. But it feels like when it's digital, a lot of companies or managers, they don't take that so seriously. So, hmm, Yeah, I mean, we have a blurred backgrounds possibility that people use. Uh, currently, we're ha- Halloween theme for everyone. But yeah. I don't think it's that big of an issue in our company. Uh, it's it's more that, you know, you're expected to be somewhere where the internet works and where you can talk. And people have... So the thing is what Timiko does, we add in that mode of just co-working side by side. So we're not always in a video meeting. We're just like in a room and then you can have the audio either on or off. And then, you know, someone's kid comes running in or the dog or someone's in a cafe but has the sound off. So you get this feeling of being together, but you're not necessarily always in a meeting mode you're just in that when you're in a real office and you just sit and work and then you have a quick question and instead of looking up and saying hey where did you say that document you have the the walkie-talkie and you have the same thing there so I think we got used to seeing each other like sometimes I'm cooking (laughs) Uh, the team has seen me brush my teeth far too many times but it's it's okay like um, but we we have lipstick Mondays and we have shirt Thursdays but it's optional it's just something that's fun. Well, I guess I guess that's cool for the ones if there's if there would be somebody that crazy that doesn't want to wear lipstick, I suppose. <laughs> well, the, the guys haven't joined us yet, but Linda and I are are very much doing lipstick Mondays usually. Yeah. Uh, hey, and that that's really really interesting to hear. So, um, uh, I have a question, and actually, um, it it just came to me today. So I, I met. Um, a SaaS organization today, a company with about 50 people where most of them sit somewhat in the same office and really great culture. They've done a lot of things together. Now that, you know, the restrictions are more or less, uh, there's no restrictions in simple terms. Uh, they've been running Friday bar for like six, seven weeks in a row. Nice. Which is great. And they they, they felt like, you know, it's great for the culture and so on. But then my... My, my thought when I listen to you goes to, what about those eight guys that are not in the office? Like, how, what do we do with them? Like, how do we replicate this? Or, or is it just like, that comes with, with the job? Sorry, you're not going to have beers on Friday. Um, I've been one of those eight people. And that's partly why I founded this company. So I was in the Bailey's brand team in Europe. I was the only one working from the Stockholm office. Everyone else was in the HQ in London. I had one colleague in Rome and I hated it because I felt like a part of me got lost. The people weren't awful. It was just that I didn't feel like I found my place in that team because all I did all day was sit in WebEx meetings. They didn't know me. They didn't like understand my humor. They didn't understand my culture. There was just this, this glue was missing. And I can vet you're really funny. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I'm actually not, but okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, but but uh, but the thing is, like, I I'm I am a person who thrives best physically with people. So to me, that was really tough, and that was also just the feeling I had. That is what I want pre- want to prevent people to feel. But usually, what I say is, if your team, let's it depends on how big. Like you were saying, these eight people who sit abroad. We've seen that in customers uh, when there's one office. Let's say I'll just make up numbers. Let's say you have an office with thirty people, and then you have these eight people who are like not in the office. Out of those, maybe three are co-located. And then you have these other people, these five freelancers floating around. Chances are that those people who are 
remotely will feel that they don't get promoted as much, that their work isn't seen, that they are kind of not where it happens, and they won't be as engaged over time. And how do I fix that? How do I make them not feel those things? So it's harder when more than 50% are co-located. But what you do is you create that space online. Sorry to promote our own product, <laughs> but this is exactly what we do. And you build sort of the culture in remote first and online first. So let's say we just hired a new CPO. We just signed someone and I'm in the physical office. Me as a leader... I need to think of my behavior. Do I walk to the physical coffee machine, bump into the people who are in the office with me and tell them, gossip, gossip, we just signed our CPO, yay. Or do I, which I do in this case, always communicate digital first so it's fair towards everyone. So I post it on Slack or I do it in the office stores in the office or I, you know, if we had... So when we won the Break It Award, what we did was literally jump into a room ping everyone, pull them into rooms, turn the room into, holy cow, we won, and we celebrated together real time. We did not go and buy a bottle of champagne physically. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and touching upon this as well, um, what is required from leaders and leadership in, in this new world? Is it like uh, the same leaders uh, that have been successful in the old world, will they also by default be successful in this new one? Or is it different different type of persona suddenly? You need to walk the talk and you always need to have a bit of a devil's, depending on if your company is, again, like 50, are you majority co-located or majority distributed? It changes, changes the dynamics a little bit. Uh, you need to... Walk, your, walk the talk, align on behaviors and expectations and sort of, you need, to, you need to adjust your leadership. It is harder. It will take longer to onboard new people. Yes, sometimes it might be frustrating that you're not standing by the same whiteboard. And maybe, yes, sometimes you will need to fly in someone to just sit down for two days. Fine. But you need to also just start, like, behaving that way yourself. So what do you think, if you're a SaaS company, what position or what role would have the hardest time in working digital first or remote first? I mean, first of all, I love SaaS companies. I love SaaS people. Everyone I've met is like so cool. I just like, wow, I'm one of them. I'm so honored now. <laughs> <laughs> I think the SaaS industry is not the toughest one. I think there are, you know, big insurance or finance companies and enterprises out there that are three, four years away from uh, this change. I think the bigger the company, it's just like in any type of company, the, the bigger the company, the harder the change. So especially if you have, you were touching upon it, Daniel, like if you've as a leader always led for 30 years in a specific kind of way in a physical office and all of a sudden your team is in five countries, uh, how do you make sure that you don't favorize that one person in the team that sits with you and so on? So I think that the ones that are hardest to turn around or, or move, you don't even have to turn around, you just need to shift a little bit, are the, the larger companies, because there everything takes time. So what's in the future for Timico? Yay! So I think... World domination. <laughs> world, total world, <laughs> world domination. Uh, so first of all, we really, really are on a, on a mission to create everyday work happiness from anywhere. So... To me personally, when I have a bad day, you know, reminding myself of uh, now we're opening up um, for women who live in countries on the countryside where they usually wouldn't have access to work 
uh, or to specific jobs, like they get access to, to those jobs. We are enabling for people to not feel the way I felt when I was in the Stockholm office by myself. So that really is exciting. But I think we are a puzzle piece in a bigger scheme puzzle. So Oleg and I asked my, we asked ourselves the question when we started the company. So what if we turn out to be, you know, a unicorn and we have all of a sudden we found ourselves having 5,000 employees. Will we ever have an office? Uh, because what is our what is our position? And we're not office haters. Right, right. Okay, very <laughs> cool. And what are you looking for right now? Actually, I know one thing you're looking for, but that's probably... <laughs> 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 just because I, I i mentioned the tinder gossiping that's not fair <laughs> uh, actually that, that's not the, that's not what i was referring to but like uh, tell us what, what are you looking for <laughs> so we're always looking for talent obviously uh the, the, like my first uh, mentor told me like there's always uh, space for good people and yes of course there are although vc backed and all of that there are always like these somewhat restrictions in the beginning um but I'd say talent is number one. Um, customers. Any particular type of talent? Um, we do a lot of like under the radar stuff at the moment because we get a lot of like, uh, but right now, a super senior designer, product designer, who's very much into like behavioral um, design. It's a, it's a bit of a, you know, take someone who has an ar- architecture or, or behavioral science or psychology background and turn that person into a product designer, maybe. That's a, that, that, sounds e- <laughs> that sounds easy to find. <laughs> uh, and then we have, um, we're in the go-to-market and commercialization phase. So that will, uh, we have some, some great growth marketing people uh, from cool companies with us, uh, but we will need some seniority in the leadership team on that end. And then we always look for developers, obviously, and uh, I think right now we're looking for a, another mobile developer as well. Cool. So growing in all spaces, product, branding, marketing, and some kind of go-to-market function. And I mean, customers are always welcome and it's free for up to 25. So Of course. Cool. And who would you like to see on the show? Um, I know this person might have been in quite some shows, but Erik Fjellborg, uh, who founded Quinix, uh, he... I have followed him since we studied together at uh, SSE and he's a really smart and nice guy. And I remember how he just coded this like system for, cause he had worked at McDonald's and found it inefficient. And I think like now, what it has it been like 12 years? I don't know how long the clinics has been growing, but I think that's an interesting story to, to look at. Yeah. Thank you. Definitely. We've heard great things about him and I think it's, yeah. It's time that he shows up here. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, if I see him, I will tell him. <laughs> All right then, but it was fantastic having you here, Charlotte. Thank you for spending the hour with us and uh, looking forward to see you in the future. Thank you. Uh, thanks a lot, Charlotte. It was a pleasure having you here and we hope we, we see you soon in one of the upcoming meetups. Yes, thank you so much. And you guys are doing amazing and thank you for being such great heroes for the ecosystem i just wanted to say that i really really appreciate what you're doing awesome take care now thank you thank you bye 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 okay daniel what's your key learnings from this episode i think it was uh, really good for me to hear some of these things because i'm in, in the middle of the process myself of hiring a lot of people and a lot of the people that we're hiring are not going to be uh, physically in in the office so to say it was nice to get 
a refresher on many of these things. So first of all, um, really appreciate Charlotte and, and her energy, and she's just you know um, so talented and, and such a fun girl. Uh, but it was also nice to, to hear that um, what they're seeing is that some of the legal work that people are afraid of and the, the nitty-gritty detail paperwork, there's a way around it. That's not the big problem. Like, you're going to figure that out. The big problem is, like, how do you make the culture work? And that's where you need to spend the energy. There's services out there that's going to get the paperwork sorted for you. So don't be afraid of that, where you need to invest money and energy and time is getting the culture to work and what are the activities and the rule sets you deploy to make this remote team feel the togetherness and the unity of, of one organization. That, that's the big takeaway I have here today. What about you, Thomas? It was something Charlotte said about, you know, when you have big news or when you have a celebration or something that you don't go out and shout to the people at the office that you should meet in the kitchen first and celebrate. You go digital first and make sure that everyone in the company has the chance to be a part of that. And I mean, then afterwards you can do something with the folks that are around you. But but having that digital first approach to important information and important tasks within the company, I think that's important. And, and um, that is also a challenge for you as a leader to have that mindset. Definitely, definitely. So really, really good advice and really insightful to, to speak to for a lot here. And for all of us, it's going to be interesting to follow them on their journey. Absolutely. And okay, now we have talk, talked about remote work, but actually what we are doing at SAS Nordic is that we will have meetups across the Nordics. And we already have dates set for Copenhagen, Malmö, Stockholm and Oslo. And eventually we're also going to be in Helsinki and Reykjavik. So. I hope that you would like to meet up with the rest of the community. If you want to be invited, you should join the SAS Nordic Slack community at sasnordic.com because these are community events only for people working at Nordic SAS companies and that is a part of the community. So looking forward to see you there. Definitely. We had a blast at the first one and we're expecting to have a lot, lots of fun together at the upcoming events as well. So I'm looking forward to, or we are looking forward to seeing you all there. And also, uh, we have mentioned before that we had had great use of uh, Get Accept on their tool. And now we actually have got the opportunity to use another tool for another member in the community. So we have been exploring the CRM solution from Membrane. And we have been really impressed with how easy and um, intuitive it is and powerful. So we will now get the chance to work with it on a regular basis. So uh, thank you so much, Membrane, that we can use your solution for managing our relationships. Thank you. Really useful for, for, for two guys doing uh, quite some heavy data lifting here. And I think that's it for this week's episode. So uh, see you around, guys. Bye-bye.